right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. I'm Kyle Ritchie, the host of the Planet Comedy Podcast. Uh, this week we have a very special guest, comedian, inspirational speaker, kind of. You inspire people <laughs> with your laughter. Mr. Yeah, Mike Mateo. I don't inspire anyone. Fuck it. <laughs> I feel a little inspired. I mean, you're by far the biggest guest we've ever had on this show. Really? Oh, I yeah. feel like I'm a nobody, so thank you. I don't know. You've uh I'm I, listen, I've sent a lot I've sent a picture of the email I got from you to a lot of my friends with the quotation, Mama, we made it. <laughs> <laughs> they thought it was great. Ooh, so. I feel special now. I oh. feel southern special. Oh yeah, we're very excited to have you on the show, but why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? I'm from New York. I grew up in New York. I live in New Jersey now because uh, that's where my wife makes me live. Um, <laughs> and it's uh, I so I came up in New York City as a comic in the early 2000s. Like in I, I first performed comedy in like 1995 and I thought I was going to make it right away and I did it on and off. And then in 2002, I got a pretty serious diagnosis. I was diagnosed with HIV. So um, after that, I decided I was going to quit my job and just do stand-up. And so I did that for like uh, five months. I moved back to my parents and then I had to get a job because I ran out of money. And so I would do stand-up and perform and I... I committed everything to stand up and within three years i was headlining so i was headlining i did my first hour in december of 2004 so it, i got pretty successful really quickly and then um i just started having panic attacks like the the, the success came from opie and anthony i did that show and so um after that the fans like got it they got crazy they really liked me like really like yeah one I, guy, I read the story that they were like people were walking up to you in the bathroom after your show yeah it was nuts i was like thank you can i pee now but please continue no that's and then so that was that was what started me to go oh my god this is nuts and and so after that, um, some I, years later, I I ended up quitting stand up in like two thousand seven. I said I was quitting stand up. I kept performing till two thousand eight, and then I stopped performing like a career. And I would do a show here and a show there for fun. And um, I even got to play um, Colin Quinn Stalker in a web series. Oh. So that was fun. Um, and then when I came back, I was I was performing about a year or two ago in a bar in New Jersey, and I went to the bathroom afterwards, and <laughs> there was a guy standing at the urinal who goes, I got to hand it to you, man. You did great. You really knew how to handle the crowd. And then the guy who came out of the storm was at the sink washing his hands go, yeah, man, you got balls. I go, <laughs> I know. They're in my hand right now. 
It's so awkward to talk to people in the bathroom. I know. But two men, like, telling me how good I am at a stall, I felt like I was fucking them. Like, <laughs> I mean, hey, listen, that is that is quite a compliment that these men were willing to break normal social you know, <laughs> social status, just to, social standards, just to tell you, like, hey, you really killed it up there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy. So... So you won, what is it? You competed in Amateur Night at the Apollo in 2001. Yeah. You were just 24. And, and you won. I won and I got an award letter. And I I framed the award letter and then I didn't hang it up and I put it somewhere. And then um, this past summer, my dad was just cleaning out the garage and he goes, here, this is yours. I'm like, oh my God, my word letter. I forgot about this. <laughs> I totally forgot this even happened. I know. And I was like so excited. I'm like, yes. And that was really what made me realize I could win. I could pursue stand-up as a career. Like if I could perform that well at the Apollo, um, that was the first time I went. The second time I went, I got booed off. I I said I, I was hungry and wanted some fried chicken. Apparently, you're not allowed to be white and want, want fried chicken in Harlem. That's not allowed. So, um, yeah, that, they booed me off that show. It was well, all good. I mean, yeah, hey, listen, not every It was the best me. of times and it was the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I just couldn't believe when you said amateur night at the Apollo. I could not. I don't know if I could have the nerve, get over my nerves of playing, being in such a, you know, legendary place. Oh, it was awesome, man. I was so excited. And I almost made it on to the televised one. But when I auditioned for it, though, so I was, I was going and I just, I was, I was on a roll and it was going great. And then I said, um, you know, I better get off before this guy, and I pointed behind me at the drummer, gets me off stage. And the woman who was running it was very, she was a lesbian, and she was very manly looking, like very butch. And so she got offended and thought I was talking about her. I'm bisexual. I wouldn't talk about anybody. So... You know, it was, and she was like, I was going to pass you on until you made that comment. And I'm like, what? I got so upset. So, Dang. I mean, not all jokes are for everybody. And I can, yeah, I can see. But she, she felt like I was making fun of her, which I really wasn't. I mean, you would think, though, being, you know, yeah, judging for a comedy show, you kind of have to, you know, you'd have pretty thick skin, I would feel like. Yeah, that, that did not work out. <laughs> <laughs> it happens like that sometimes. You have sensitive people out in the world anymore. Right, right. You have very, I, very sensitive crowds. That's what was one thing I wanted to bring up is you got top comedian at the Philadelphia Pride Comedy Festival in 2017. And I'm just like, I feel like that might be a tough crowd. No, that was the best show ever. Really? Um, yeah, because I I didn't care. Like, I was just there to have fun. And so I went up and I'm doing my jokes and then the, there were these two girls who were pissing in the front. And I said something like, oh, how long have you two been together? And it got silent, silent. And then I go, awkward. And someone, one of them yelled out, 
it's our first date. And I go, really? You were locking lips like it was your second. <laughs> and so it was just a lot of fun. That sounds great. Uh, I'm glad that was such a... It sounds like you're very good with crowd work. How would you describe your style of comedy? All crowd work, no material. All crowd work, no material. <laughs> I really... I, I, like, people have come up to me, other comics that have come up to me and go, your crowd work is so good. I can't believe it. I'm like, thank you. That will never get me a TV deal, but thank you. Yeah. Because, you know, people... If I don't, executives want to see prepared material. And when something doesn't go right or I'm feeling the crowd, I will go into uh, crowd work like nine times out of 10 because I've told these same jokes thousands of times. They bore me. So I would rather just be a host or do crowd work. Yeah, I I feel like doing crowd work is almost more difficult, though, because it's I feel like a lot of problems that young comics have, at least that I've seen in the few open mics that I've been is reading the room. Yeah, what I did, how I got so good at crowd work was I'm, I when I was an open micer, I went one day I went, I want to I want to get better at crowd work. So what I did was I I just went to open mics for six months in a row and talk to the other comics. I brought up no material. I just I just like kept on talking to my friends and pointing things out and got over that initial fear of the unknown of like being out there and not having material to fall back on. And it kind of became my thing. Like I became very comfortable with it. And uh, Baron Vaughn who plays, uh, is on Gracie and Frankie. Yeah. Um, he, we were, he was one of the people I came up with and we were riding a train, a subway into Manhattan. And he goes, you are like the Paula Poundstone of our comedy generation. <laughs> and he was talking about like, just me, my comfortability with crowd work. So. It's a really undertap skill. I think in comedy is crowd work because so you know, all people see really, all that's televised is prepared, right? Prepared comedy and prepared routines and prepared, you know, sets. But I think one of the things, like one of my favorite things, was when Chappelle recorded that Netflix special in that super small uh, place in Los Angeles. Because I feel like it was you got to see him do a lot more crowd work than you normally see someone do yeah. in a comedy special. And I just oh, think crowd oh. work's the best. It's it's so much fun because no one knows what's going to happen. No, it's completely unpredictable. You have no idea what these random people are going to say to you. You what can't they're, what they're willing to say, what they're willing to open up about. Right. And you can't spend too much time on someone and have it go nowhere. So like I I was at a show and I um most of the show I did was crowd work. And um, I go, what's your name? And the woman goes, who, me? And then someone else goes, no, her. I go, I'm done with you. And I moved on because like it was going nowhere. It was getting real confusing. Yeah. I, and then you went on. So move back to your 
how you came up in the comedy world. You went from you went on Opie and Anthony when? In two thousand March six, two thousand six. March six, two thousand six. And that's and where a large me... majority of your following came from, I would yeah. assume. That's yeah. where people really discovered you. Right. And it took me a long time to figure out that date and get the get the clip because I was like, when was it? When was and I I did a lot of searching and I finally found the clip. It's a it's a four and a half minute clip of Opie and Anthony and Patrice and Ralphie talking to me. It's a lot of fun. So speaking of Patrice and Ralphie, you opened for them. Yeah, I did like one or two shows with them where I opened and it was they were so nice. They're such nice guys. When I met them on the show, um, they were just so open about like everything. Ralph, <laughs> my favorite was Ralphie told me I was funnier than Josh Blue. <laughs> uh, I love like I have nothing against Josh Blue. I never met him. I hear he's a great guy. <laughs> But it was like a thorn in my side because he got, we were, I was coming up right around then and I was doing well and he got, he got on last comic standing and I'm like, if anyone wanted to piss me off, all they would have to do is call me Josh Blue. Oh, oh, that hurts. Yeah. And for the listeners who don't know, I'm physically disabled. So I, I walk with a limp. I have cerebral palsy from a car accident when I was a baby. And I, Josh Blue is like my arch nemesis. No, I'm kidding. He's not my arch nemesis. <laughs> but he is the Lex <laughs> Luthor to my Superman, if you will. Exactly. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get Josh Blue hate fan mail. I mean, hey, sometimes you got to take a risk. Right. That's what, like rivalries get the clicks, dude. If you want to up your game, just start a rivalry with Josh. Oh my God. We'll do it right now. We're calling Come you out, Josh. Triple be funny. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just filmed a special for all media that aired in the spring of this year, right? Yeah, I don't think it ever aired, but I did tape it. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't think like they said it was gonna air in the spring. I don't think it ever made it to air. My pay per view special, I believe, is on Roku. So yeah, crossing the line is your pay per view yeah. special. You did yeah. you recorded that on New Year's Eve? Uh, I was supposed to, and then the producer got COVID. So we pushed it out a few weeks. Well, that's probably good because it's bad. It would, probably would have been bad luck to record your comedy special on the same night that Betty White died. Yeah. Oh, is that when she died? She Holy did. Shit. I love Betty White. I I would fuck her. Like, I, I absolutely one thousand percent. You know, like I bet she's still got some moistness down there. Yeah. Right? Not only that, I bet she's frisky. I bet she's very aggressive. Like that. Yeah. She may not like, be strong. I want her to call me my her good little boy. And yes. As I'm going down on her. Her and Susan Sarandon for me. Oh, my God. Really? Susan Sarandon scares me a little. She's oh. got this Matrix feel. Nah, dude. For me, it's, listen, the crazy eyes always draw me in. It's a Achilles <laughs> heel. She does. So, so, my... Um, 
there's this guy I know who was doing a documentary on me that never got finished, but like, um, and he he's a photographer and he said he was on a shoot with Susan Sarandon once and he has a tattoo on the back of his neck and Susan's random just, she came up to him one day and just traced the outline of the tattoo on his neck. Oh. Didn't say a word to him, just like. Oh, I would have, my heart would have stopped. <laughs> I would have been like, Susan Sarandon just touched me. <laughs> I'm never washing this neck again. Yeah, I will, I'm not showering anymore. <laughs> no, it's one of my, one of the, my favorite sayings, thick thighs and crazy eyes. Guys and crazy eyes. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I have a lovely fiance at home. Please don't stab me. Yeah, you have to say that. Yeah. I have a deal. <laughs> Please don't stab me. <laughs> You're asking her not to stay. She must have crazy eyes. <laughs> nah, she's a sweetheart. She really is. I know. I know. But. <laughs> moving on so who were like were you have you always been in the stand-up since pretty much birth <laughs> i can't i came out like is this thing on yeah i'm just ready to roll <laughs> um <laughs> i was i told you i'm bisexual i once dated a guy who said i made a i made a um I made a joke in bed once and he goes, are you always a comedian? And I grabbed his penis and go, is this thing on? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I feel the same way. Like in the sense that I just, I feel like I've always tried to make people laugh ever since I was super small. And it's just kind of been right. what my life's been drawn to. So who were your favorite comedians growing up? Like, who did you watch? Robin Williams, Richard Pryor. Oh, um, I'm jealous. What? Because you got to watch them. You got to watch some of them while they were like still. I I never watched them live. Like I love uh, Robin Williams at the Met. That was by far the best. Like when he went crazy and flew from the chandelier, he was probably all hooked up. Who knows? But it was good entertainment. I mean, no, Uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, most likely. But I he's a wonderful. Sometimes it helps people. Sometimes being coked up isn't a sister. I mean, you can yeah. say the same thing about Richard Pryor. I, you know, it's, uh, I was, I, I struggled with crack addiction for years. Like it was, it was one of my things. I love crack. Uh, my God, it's the best. <laughs> Never had it. I love crack like Oprah loves bread. Oh, that's beautiful. You have to try it. You have to try He said just one time. <laughs> Now, seriously, if you want to know if you're if it's good, you gotta try it three times. But really, I recommend just once. I recommend just once. If you want to know if it's good, you gotta try it three times. Um, I I try cocaine, and I really liked that. Oh my god, coke! Coke is the gateway drug to heaven. <laughs> it's also the rich man's drug, is what it is. Yeah. That is too expensive. I understood immediately why people went to things like crack. I was just like, yeah, I get it 100%. If I could replicate I, this feeling for less of the price. I just celebrated 15 years clean and sober, and I cannot believe, like, how much I, like, I don't Congratulations, by the way. Oh, don't worry about it. I, this shit could all end tonight. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I can make a decision to be like, nah, I'm done with this. 
<laughs> Where's my crack? Yeah. Um, yeah, I like. I think about it so much. I'm like, oh, that would be a good time. But I know everything I have, I would lose. Like, so that keeps me sober. Well, this is an interesting. I just feel like that's such an interesting thing, addiction like that. Like, you know what I mean? To like the slow process you go through. Because yeah. I won't lie, there was a second. There was a second there in my life in my early twenties. Because I'm only twenty six. I'm a, still a young fellow. I'm still a baby. Everyone tells me. You are. So, but there was I... a time there in my early twenties. I was developing a bit of a problem. So, and I just think it's so interesting, like, when I look back, like, even the slight problem I had, I was just, like, the quick evolution from just the, and having fun and getting fucked up to, like, oh genuinely. Oh, can't stop. Yeah, like, oh, my God, I, I'm having, like, a serious, I cannot get away from this shit. Right? It's really good. It, it, <laughs> it's super fun. It's like a roller coaster on the way there. This is- this, and by the way, this is not an advertisement to do drugs. No, yeah, just for anyone's reference, don't do drugs. Don't do those like things. Nancy They're Reagan super bad said, for you. Just say no. Yeah, just say no. Just say yes. As as yeah. our, as wonderful President Ronald Reagan said, just say no. I have a nine year old, and she came home with a with a thing that said, "Do Zoom, not drugs." Do Zoom, friends, not drugs. Love it. You know what? That's an in, that's an interesting an interesting way to turn kids away from drugs is to turn them towards technology. Oh yeah, totally. It'll work too. Yeah. It's not like Yeah, it's not like we all haven't seen the Terminator or anything like that. It's Nothing not bad. like that just say no slogan. How lame. Oh god, awful. I'm like probably that maybe probably made people use drugs more. I don't know what right. why just say no don't stop bring it no that's just that's just everyone there did not have the balls to say anyone anything to nancy reagan about what she made up she worked hard on that shit and they were all like nah just let it go really nancy you couldn't come up with anything better than just say no (laughs) no she couldn't (laughs) the reagans were you know they were they were a simple folk you know i hear the bushes are very nice people i do too I just don't agree with their politics, but I think they're very nice people. That's always so interesting to me when you feel like, because, you know, arguably George Bush did some awful things, but I have heard, you know, anything I've read is that he's a very nice man. I'm just like, I wonder what the dichotomy there is that you just, you can be very nice, but you also have to blow people up. That must be such a stressful job. You know, it's not a job I ever, like, I never thought I want to be president. No, I thought, like as a kid, I thought I want to grow up and tell dick jokes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't want all that responsibility. I just want to, you know, tell some dirty jokes on stage and make right. a living off of it. I don't even want to be famous. If I could just make enough money to pay bills, I'd be like, all right, cool. Oh, my God. No, I want to be famous so I could get out of debt. I want to be famous enough to get out of debt. A friend of mine, um, Gina Brion, is she... Uh, she was, she, she was a finalist on America's Got Talent last year. And so she, uh, she has been opening for, uh, Fluffy, 
for Iglesias. Oh, wow. And I'm like, I we were at a show together uh, earlier in the year, and I go, so do you want to be that famous? She's like, I don't want to be that famous. I don't want, I want to still have my anonymity, but I want to be comfortable enough where I don't have to worry about anything money-wise. See, that's the way I feel. I just like, I. that's my dream is to just be funny enough and be successful enough that I could live comfortably telling jokes. So how often do you tell jokes? On stage, I haven't in a while just because I've had a lot of life events. I got, my, my grandmother caught cancer around the oh. time I got midway, like I was starting to get on stage. And then when I kind of worked my way through that, COVID happened. And ever since COVID, I've kind of missed the opportunity. But I've been on stage, I want to say, seven times. Okay. And so four of you... them went really well. Three of them went really poorly. That's the, You learn more from the bad shows. Oh, my God. So I, a show I did, it was in Indianapolis. And it was just, it wasn't even like they booed me. It was the worst. Was just, it was silence. Just that, nothing. So much worse. Nothing. Well, I told jokes and I was just up there and I'm sweating and I'm just like, oh no, this is not going well. I'm bombing right now. My um so before my special, my mom my mom passed uh before my special. Right? Oh god, I'm so sorry. Thank you. She um she died November second of last year. And um like so the ninth was November 9th was the funeral. And like the day after the funeral, I was, I was writing jokes about her to like put in my special. And like, it was the hardest thing I had to do is work out that five minutes because I would go up at shows and people knew my mom died and they were, and I would start telling this joke and then I would start crying in the middle of telling the joke. And so it was it was like really emotional. But that that those five minutes turned out great because they were such from the heart. Yeah. Like the more vulnerable you are, the better the laughs I find. The better the material will be because it's I'm yeah. sure it's more genuine. It comes from a much more genuine place. Right. Uh I want to get back on stage desperately, and I think I'm working my way towards doing that. I'm working on a lot of other projects, like I have this show, and then I do a show with two of my friends about college football. Okay. Which is always super fun. And then I've tried, like, I've, another thing, I'm super into movies. I don't know if you like cinema and film. Like, I'm the worst. Like, my wife will be, have you seen this movie? I'm like, no. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. Like, the only two things I ever wanted to be in my life was a stand-up comedian and a film director. So I'm super into how movies and all that are made. So I've made a couple, like, YouTube videos like that where I make jokes. But my true, like, comedy passion is stand-up. When I was about eight years old, I watched, I believe, I want to say it was a Dane Cook special of all things. And I was just immediately, like, drawn into the idea that people could do this for a living. Like, that you could get up on stage, make people laugh, and they would pay you money to do that if you were funny. Not good money, but they pay you something. Yeah, they pay you. I mean, that was amazing to me. I couldn't believe it. I remember when 
Like when I got my first thousand dollars for performing at a college, I was like, oh my God. So that would probably, that, there's a mama, we made it moment for you. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah. You. So when was your first, like when it was the first time you ever got on stage? Uh, 1995 in New York City at the Boston Comedy Club. Dang, how did it go? I think it went well. I, uh, I blew the light and I didn't even like, and they were trying to get me off and then a blue light started flashing and I go, oh, look, a blue light's flashing. Is there a blue light special? And I just kept on going. So, was it? I, um, Go ahead. It was, was stand-up always like you a dream of yours? I always, when I was a kid, I was watching Showtime at the Apollo, and I thought, I want to do that. I want to. And so ever since then, I, I thought about doing it. And then when I was 19, I remember I wrote a five-minute set when I was about 18 or 19, and it was bad. <laughs> um, I never performed it, but it was bad. Um, and then I just, I, I think when I was 19, I went on stage. I don't even remember what I talked about. Um, I can't remember what I talked about either in my first, the first time I even got on stage. Most of my material is just like personal stories I have. I think it's, for me, it's more about observations of human behavior because I think, I don't think we look enough at how people, like how hilarious people's decision-making is in the world totally like one of my favorite stories to tell on stage is uh one time me another friend i have named kyle that we are affectionately referred to by everybody as the kyles <laughs> and anytime we go anywhere together everyone knows it's gonna be a good time usually but we were all driving around the godforsaken cornfield roads of indiana getting i mean all of us getting high as a kite smoking probably more weed than we thought we could was imagined possible at the time and i swear to you in the middle of all this going on listening to music the car comes to like there's me uh my friend what was his name we called him cletus and then another friend whose name was big johnson <laughs> which that nickname is a little self-explanatory how do you get that nickname <laughs> Yeah, not as you would think, actually. He was just a large man with the last name Johnson. I don't know if his dick was that big. <laughs> I didn't ask any of his girlfriends. I probably should have. You should. So does Big Johnson live up to the name? Yeah, does I mean, is that, like, is he proportional, or <laughs> do we need to change his nickname to something else, like Little John? Little Johnson. Yeah. But then there was a, a woman sitting between me and the other Kyle that I'm not going to say was ugly. I'm just going to say, you know, it was like Hulk Hogan in a dress. <laughs> oh, man. So it was, a, it was you know, but we were having fun. It was a good time. You don't have a lot of super attractive women to pick from all the time in certain spots in Indiana. So I understood it. Okay. So we're heading down a back road. There's nothing in sight but cornfields and forest. And all of a sudden we come to a screeching stop. And Cletus gets out of the car. Out of nowhere, and all I hear is Big Johnson yelling, Get it, get it, get it. When he gets and he's gone for 10 15 minutes, when he gets back in the car, he has a baby raccoon in his hand 
Oh my god. That he says is dead. And we're all like, what the fuck is going on? And he goes to show all three of us in the back what it is. And all of a sudden, he realizes it's not dead. It bites the shit out of him. And then he lets go of it. So now there's this raccoon loose in the truck. Kyle jumps out. I'm trapped basically there because I'm like, what do I do? As a gentleman, I feel like I must rescue this young man sitting next to me. But also, I want to save myself. And in a moment of panic, I just shoved her as hard as I could and ran out the fucking door. (laughs) Such a gentleman. I did. I showed my true colors. I was just like, you know what? You are not pretty enough for me to get rabies right now. Good luck. Wow. <laughs> I made a I made a lie a life a business decision, but everything was fine. It ended up just running out of the truck. The only person that got bit was the guy who grabbed it. That's hilarious, man. It's one of my favorite stories to tell on on a stage. The punchline I think I always use is like I shoved her towards the raccoon don't worry she's fine rabies is curable mm-hmm. <laughs> i shoved her towards the light yeah. she's dead now <laughs> i shoved her towards the light but is there anything like any you do crowd work but do you have any like prepared bits do you have any yeah, like a set I, I have, that you've worked I have, on yeah i have tons of material at my disposal uh, <laughs> Like most of the crowd work. So most of the times when I go into crowd work, it starts out as a joke and then I get bored halfway through. <laughs> or like someone someone will say something as I'm telling my joke and I will inevitably just go in and, and start you, talking. Yeah, you can't help yourself. You have to react. I cannot. I cannot. And it's terrible. Like, so there's a, so this guy Stuart was like, your crowd work is incredible. I go, yeah, and it won't get me anywhere. It won't get me a TV special. It won't get me, it won't help my career in any way. And he goes, you should ask Jim. He's been in the game a long time. Jim Mandrinos. He's a, he's a professional comic. Who, I go, Jim, right? No, it won't get me anywhere. He goes, it will not. <laughs> he said, no, you're right. It will not. No. Like, see, I told you, Stu. Are there any other like forms of entertainment you've tried to break into or just stand up? Have you ever tried porn. to like porn? Porn. That's respectable. Do you have the penis for porn? I do, sir. Oh, good for you. That's wonderful. God gives you a limp, he also gives you a big penis. Hey, you know at- what? I wish I got the limp then. That sucks. <laughs> I'm not saying listen, it's average size. It's like porridge. It's not too big, not too small. You know what? Average gets the job done. Just Good right. For you, buddy. <laughs> it's like I said, it's like Goldilocks's porridge. Not too hot, not too cold. Just right. Just right. All you need is a just right. Just right. But I have respect for you. It, it don't. It's it's something that it's genetics. I had no control over it. It just happened. I'm I'm not like pumping. Get bigger, get bigger. Although I do want to get a pump just to see what the fuss is all about. Yeah, I wonder what that's like. I I'm curious what the feeling would be. Like would it press against it? Like are you trying to contract blood? Yeah, let's see. Let's let's have a uh, Zoom call. We'll do it. We'll contest it. We'll see. Yeah. Who, we'll see who gets bigger faster. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a plan to me. Sounds like a date. Sounds like a stranger danger. To me. It does. This sounds like something Chris Hansen would come up on. 
<laughs> now, um, this has been so much fun. Thank you for having me on. Oh, absolutely no problem. What else you got for me? I, I don't have too, too much, but really you've answered a lot of my questions. Mostly I just want to keep going with all of your stories. You seem to have, you've been doing this for a very, very long time and mm -hmm. I haven't done it at all. Not only that, I mean, you're a very interesting guy. I mean, you just got, I mean, you said you had an HIV diagnosis. What was that like? Like just oh, it was awful. It was even worse that when they came to tell me, they gave me the wrong diagnosis. They go, you're negative. And I go, oh, thank God. And I looked down at the paper and realized it was the wrong date. Oh, no. That's tragic. <laughs> Only, me. Only me, right? Yeah, I mean, if you're going to get bad news, you always kind of figure it's going to come with some horseshit like that. The universe you're, comes at you fast. You're HIV negative. Psych! Yeah. Hold on. You're good. Psych. You're like, yes! And then they're like, actually... No, we fucked up. You're not good. You might want to sit back down. Well, she, I go, I look down at the paper and I go, oh my, uh, wait, that's the wrong date. She goes, oh my God, I don't know how this happened. Hold on. I'll stay right here. I'll be right back. She comes back. She goes, they're faxing over the results. I'm sure it's fine. Just wait right here. I waited for like an hour and it was not fine. <laughs> it was not fine. Turns out, actually, it was not fine. But, you know, here I am. I'm living. It, it's I'm I'm happy. I'm healthy. I Look at can't. You. I'm like, on medication. I can't infect anyone. So like a white magic Johnson. Exactly. That magic man. Mike. Yes, that's beautiful. And you <laughs> get into porn. It fits so perfectly. I have a good friend who who. I was, so, I was a disabled male escort for like three years. Oh. And who knew there was a, there was a niche for that? Hey, man, it's the age of the internet. There is a niche for everything. And so, um, I, I had a good friend who did porn. And he would, like, tell me all these stories. And he just, he got sick of it. He's like... How many times do I have to get my dick up? <laughs> did he ha ever have a fluffer? The people that... I never did, but I'm, I'm sure he did. Oh. And actually, no, I, he's a hornball. I don't think he needed a fluffer. He needed it. He was just like, all right, no, I'm good. I'm ready. What was the worst thing? Like, what was the worst thing that ever happened to him on a, on a set? I don't know, to tell you the truth. He never told me. I wonder. He was just like, I'm done with it. He lives out in uh, Arizona or somewhere or something, someplace out west for me. Oh, so it was something happened because he just said, "I'm he's I'm going." Yeah, to the he, desert. he got he got done with it. Like, yeah, so I'm going to the desert. I'm going to he's actually the people. one who got me into uh, escorting. So really, yeah, I would assume there's a lot of crossover between porn and the sex. Oh, world, totally, you know? totally, yeah. So what was that? Do you have any interesting stories from escorting? Anything super uh, hot happened I to you? only did it with men. And so the first call, the no, one of the, the second call I got, all the guy wanted me to do was treat him like a dog. Really? Really. God. He wanted me to spank, spank him with a newspaper, <laughs> put him on a leash. 
Oh, Mike, you have around his house. You have no idea how, ron- how ironic that is. So one of the videos that we show on this channel is called Puppy Play. And it is a video dedicated to men who dress up as dogs and have other men, like, take care of them. Yeah. And so I can be a little aggressive. And I said something to, like, and I started, I started fucking him. And he was like, ow, ow. I go, okay, so let's have a safe word. You give me a safe word. I'll know that means stop. And he goes, dog. And then he goes, <laughs> and then he goes, I don't know why I thought of, I thought of that word. I'm like, really, dude? You know? <laughs> I mean, you've kind of, you've been a, a dog the whole time we've been in here and not in like the sexual way. Well, kind of, but a little you've been bit. A wolf, wolf kind of yeah, dog. you've been an actual dog. Like you ate treats out of my hand 45 minutes ago. This is the weirdest thing that's ever happened to me. It's nuts. The world is nuts. Oh, yeah, but there's a niche for everything. I mean, to I me, know, right? do you know what furries are? Yeah, they scare the fuck out of me. They're horrifying people. <laughs> Not because they want to fuck each other. I get that. But the 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 eccentricity of the costume is just... Oh, it's hilarious. They it's are like, in. Someone in a cat costume going... Yeah. Well, not only that, I can't imagine, like, one of the questions I've always had, like, do you fuck in the costumes? How does that work? Like, is there, a, like, is there, like, a flap you open? Right. Not only that, those costumes seem like they're soup. they'd be super hot, and having sex in them would be a, a tragedy. I think, I, I think, you know, if it gets you off, it gets you off. That's fair. That's a very good, good point. you, buddy. That's yeah. my That's a very good point. I'm also very much an assalamu alaikum person. Whatever works for you. Whatever gets you to climax, life is hard. <laughs> That's my favorite saying is good for you, buddy. Yeah, good for you, buddy. Live your life. Do you. God. So you've been a male escort. You've been a comic. What other odd jobs have you done? Because I'm sure, you know, you... When you weren't making people laugh, you had to first, feed yourself my, somehow. My first job ever, I was a stock boy at a, at a I was an 11 year old stock boy. It was, it was cool. I got like $18 a week. It was child labor. A stock boy. Uh, did you ever have any like good fella moments where you ran into any mobsters? No, no, but I am from Staten Island. So oh. the odds. Uh, they're much lower. Yes. <laughs> From Staten Island, huh? Mm-hmm. So, what was it like? What was your childhood like? Was it like growing oh, up? It was cool. It was cool. Um, like, I I did a lot to stay busy. Like, I um, so when I was younger, I had to ride the the short bus to and from school, and then I had a like me and my mom had a talk when I was in high school. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I I feel special enough. And I get off the short bus. And so she goes, can we make a deal? If you ever need to have another operation while you're in high school, you'll go back on. I'm like, of course. If And so I never had another operation in high school. Because I wanted to date. I wanted to hang around. I wanted to do things after school. Okay. And I couldn't if I had to make this bus every day. So... And they would take me out of class 15 minutes early, which 
when you when you're supposed to be taking that class 15 minutes early it's not fun when you cut class then it's fun oh yeah it's a lot like when you you know turn 21 everyone thinks it's going to be super cool but beer does you know alcohol doesn't have that same luster that it had exactly i drank coffee on my 21st birthday <laughs> how sobering yeah, I was not sober at the time, but I drank coffee. Uh, I mean, you'll have that. Yeah. So you've been sober 15 years. Yes. I um. That's the longest. Like, I was sober before then, and then I relapsed, and I relapsed before that. And so this time around, it's 15 years. 15 and, years uh, consecutively. Yeah. And the, I, I fell off the wagon as soon as I said I was stopping stand-up. So I left stand-up originally 15 years ago. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you left stand-up. I know that. Is there – so was there, you left stand-up to get clean. Are you going back? Like obviously you recorded two specials, but are you going to like start doing crowd work or stuff again? Are you going to get – Oh, I do. I perform like uh, – I perform – uh, often and you said you perform sparingly i didn't know if sparingly meant like no did i say sparingly i yeah, don't you said he you were performing i did perform sparingly in like 2008 to 15 16 but like since i've been back i i've been going strong like i'm i i was just in arkansas i performed in arkansas i was just in i i just did a couple of uh swingers parties in pennsylvania wow that sounds interesting it was fun it was fun they were a great crowd very loving i bet i bet they were very sweet i bet they're very they, sweet people they were. i don't know if i could share my spouse but i you know what again aslam alaikum y'all do you that's beautiful I, I, I took my wife there the second time and like I had to beg her to come with me. And I, I had to go to the airport to go to Arkansas the next day. So I was like, please come and just drop me at the airport so I don't have to come back home, fall asleep and then miss my flight. And so she dropped me at the airport, but we she came out and we were having lots of fun. like. We just talked to people, and people were so nice. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, awesome. I'm sure they're very, you know, sweet and, and you know, very sweet yeah. people. I'm, pretty much any person you talk to is going to be, unless they're... All the hedonists are very sweet people. <laughs> they really are. Because they get, they get all their aggression out in their sex. Exactly. So, they have nothing else to be but very nice. They have nothing else for the world but their it's kindness and appreciation. Exactly. So how you've traveled probably all over the country. Yeah, not all over. I, like, I haven't done as much um, road work as I would have liked. Yeah. That... I'm looking this, this time around. I'm looking to do cruises, uh, more road work, and more colleges. And like my preference is to do colleges because I just love performing at colleges. I hear it's changed a lot since I did it last. That's what I was going to say. I, that's interesting because I would say I think there's like a lot of people, a lot of comics that would say colleges is a rough crowd to try to perform in front of. Well, you know, I think that like it's 
I, I hate cancel culture. I hate the way people are like, you can't say this, you can't say that. I think, I think, I think Harvey Weinstein and Bill Cosby are common sense. You have that as common sense. You yeah. don't, you don't rape people, period. You don't sexually assault people, period. Do I need to cancel every Tom, Dick, and Harry because a couple of people put their hands up your pussy? No. I I just need to do it, like be responsible and not be a dick. And you know, I wanna I wanna be able to say what I wanna say. Yeah, I think I agree with you one thousand percent. Just because there are shitty people in the world, just because there are people that do awful things, I don't think people like me and you should be restricted to what we can say on stage. I think right. co comedy is an art form and the ability to make awful things funny is such a beautiful art that we have here you know almost it feels like specifically in the united states because there's so many countries in the world where you can't do stuff like this and i feel like any attempt to tell people like oh you can't talk about this you can't talk about that i really do think comedians should have the license to try to make jokes about whatever they want now right. if you want to judge whether or not they're funny that's completely up to you a lot of things a lot of comedy is dependent on taste but they should be able to say whatever they want right we hold up the mirrors to the world and if you're a dick i can't help you yeah there's nothing that you can be that can be done for you comedy is often some of the best comedy is often a reflection of society right right and i think that's like a lot of the comedians that i love so much like chappelle is probably my favorite comedian of all time and that's basically his whole bit is. What did you think of his SNL thing? I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, I'm not sure how Hollywood feels about no, it. No, I mean, I'm sure they're really upset and a lot of people are going to call him anti-Semitic. But I thought it was hilarious. His joke about I... when he said, if it's a group of Italians, it's a mob. If it's a group of black guys, it's a gang. But if it's a group of Jewish people, it's a coincidence and you should ignore it. I'm sorry. I don't think that's anti-Semitic. I think that's hilarious. That is funny. I mean, like, I could see some of them, especially on the heels of Kanye West. Being yeah. Crazy. Um, but, you know, like, I, it's, it's his... I, I don't want to say, like, I disagree, because I, I don't think hate speech has a place. No, but I also think he wasn't doing it all out of hate. He was saying very truthful things, and I don't know. I gotta watch it again. I the I've watched it a couple times, and I think like you can tell there's a lot of him. It's two people he's friendly with mm -hmm. that have done some incredibly stupid things. So right. I think in a lot of ways you're seeing him try to defend two of his close friends. He's very close with Kanye, very close, reportedly. So I would assume he's somewhat, and he's somewhat close with Kyrie. So I would assume like the two of them, he's trying. You can tell that he's trying to somewhat defend them, but it doesn't make what he's saying like not funny or a lot of it not true. Right. There's a very I, fine line he walks. I also think like uh, Will Smith also like 
shot himself in the foot. God, that was awful. And I think Jada Pinkett Smith is a is a crazy ass bitch. A sociopath. Yes. That is a crazy person. She's got the crazy eyes. She does have the crazy eyes, but not in a good way. No. You gotta look. Uh, you gotta be able to. That's the the key to the crazy eyes thing is you got to be able to peer through the ones that you're like nope that's too crazy right exactly you want you know sex on the kitchen table will break a bottle over a girl's head for you crazy you want sex on the kitchen table how do you know (laughs) so i'm saying you want that kind of crazy not stab you in the middle of the night crazy oh my doorbell i gotta get going i'm supposed to be on a work call i told him to call back oh god I'll talk to you later. I'll talk to you later. It's good to talk to you, man. Good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Have a wonderful evening. You too. Um, Follow me at funnymanmike.com and uh, linktree.com backslash funnymanmike. All right. I'll let everybody, I'll put those links up on all of my social medias. Thank you, sir. If you ever want to do a part two, I'm down. Just uh, email me or text me. Absolutely. All right. I'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. Have a good day, sir. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, ladies and gentlemen, as you heard, that was my interview with comedian, my uh, one of probably the the best guests this shows, one of the better guests this shows ever had. I wouldn't say the best. I want to insult all my friends like that, but one of the more probably the most well known guests we've ever had. I'm sure he'll be back. But thank you guys for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, anywhere like that. I had a great time with you guys. I had a great time with Mike. You can find us also on social media at the PCP Gang, on Twitter, The Planet Comedy on Facebook, The Planet Comedy on Instagram, everywhere you get your podcasting and entertainment news. Uh, You guys can follow the Planet Comedy YouTube channel, which I'm going to be doing some movie reviews on there. I'll probably release some clips from this. There will be obviously clips from this show going up all week thank you guys for listening and have a wonderful rest of your day or night yeah.